Jesus' name. You ever been separated from a loved one? Understand? Not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying something bad caused it. Maybe it did. Um, separated from a loved one. Something no one would have chosen, but something came into a situation and, and brought separation. And as much as you wanted to, you couldn't get it back together. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? A few of us. Probably most of us. Separation's a painful thing. When you're separated from one you love. And when that separation seems irreparable, like it can't be fixed, it's really painful. If it seems like there's no hope of ever having restoration of relationship, it's a pretty painful thing. I've lived it in my life, so I I speak from experience, not just theory. Separation is a painful thing. You know, the separation took place early in time. We know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, yes? God placed them there. God had a personal, real relationship with them. We can read in the scripture and understand that God came daily, every day. Day by day, God came and spoke with Adam. It was a very personal relationship. Would you agree? Now, relationships have guidelines for a reason. You understand? My wife and I have been married for going on 29 years. We have guidelines in our marriage. Is that the right number? I said going on 29 years. Sorry, I thought we got married in 92. So uh, 28 years, sorry. My math is bad. She talks to me like it's been a whole lot longer putting up with me. So I just, no, okay. 28 years. Thank you. We've been married going on 28 years. In our relationship, we have guidelines. 
I didn't say rules. I said guidelines. Guidelines, what are we doing? We are preserving, protecting, caring for the relationship. Why? I intend for it to last a lifetime. When we stood at an altar almost 28 years ago, I said these words I'll never forget. I was standing on this side, not here. I was standing on this side. She was standing there as beautiful as ever. My heart was about to beat out of my chest. Matter of fact, I tell you, before we were standing here, I was standing here like this. And there were double doors right in the middle of the sanctuary, right about where Brother Carlos and his boys were sitting right there. A little further back, there's about 300 and something people in the room. And I'm standing there. The minister's standing right here. And I was all good. I had all my friends right here with me. Feeling good. I, I had, I'd been playing around five minutes before we were supposed to walk up there. I was ready like 40 minutes before. I don't know why. You could have got me ready five minutes before. I was good to go. All good. And then they started playing that music. You know that music? Dum, dum, dum. I, I don't know why we say it that way. Bum, 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 bum. Sometimes they say dum, 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 dum. I guess for some people it is, but it, it, it wasn't for me. It, was, it wasn't for me. I'm not, I'm not saying that for me. For me, it was dun, 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 dun. I'm in trouble now. I got to fix this. Somebody help me. No. And I, I was good until then. I wasn't bad then, but, I, you know, I was feeling good. I was, when that music started... I don't know what went through your mind if you're married. I tell you what went through my mind when that music started, before the doors opened, right? The music started, and I don't know if my face showed it, but man, if it did, I was in trouble. I thought, this is about to happen, and this is for the rest of my life. Honest to goodness, that's exactly what went through my spirit. This is about to happen. And this is for the rest of my life. You understand, I didn't enter into the relationship. And I am not in the relationship looking for a way out. You understand? And when those doors opened, and there she stood in all of her beauty. It was like angels around her and light shining through behind her. It's true. No hyperbole. It's true. My heart sank. My knees were... They didn't do it literally, but I'm telling you, I... I might not have felt nervous or anything up until that point, but when those doors opened and I saw her, it was over. It, it was every, I was just holding myself together. And all I could think was for life, forever, for life, forever. See, I, I was a child that had grown up where separation took place. 
Mom and dad separated. And it was never repaired. And I, I was the one torn in between the separation. And so I determined when this boy gets married, it's for life. I'm going to find one. She's going to be the one. And she will forever be the one. And I don't care what comes, what goes, what happens, what hits. what, what it's for, And when I stood there, I said, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. We call those vows. I said those words. And when I said them, I said them in the fear of God and I meant them. Why? Well, because I thought I loved her. I do now. Some of you got nervous really. And you're like, what? <laughs> Go easy on me. No, I thought I loved her then. I didn't. I love her now. In 28 years, I've grown to love her. I can't live without her. But that day, when I was 21 years old, I didn't love her. She might have said she loved me, but she didn't love me. She didn't really know me yet. And I didn't really know her yet. Over 28 years living together, we come to know each other. We know the things we don't like. We know the things we like. And we come to love each other. That's a relationship. And I didn't plan on any of this today. I don't know what we're doing, Lord, but I trust you. And so, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have a relationship with God. And God gave them one guideline. Don't eat of this tree. If you eat of this tree, you'll die. But Eve was beguiled by the serpent, the Bible says, who's more subtle than any beast. Subtlety came along. Deceived her, and um, and she gave in. Ate of the tree, got Adam to eat of the tree, and the Lord came looking for them because of relationship. And when He came looking, they weren't where they usually were. Now, do you think the Lord knew where they were? Of course, He did. The Lord, when it says he was looking for them, didn't mean the Lord didn't know where to find them. He knows how to find you. You and I can't hide from him. But we can run from him. And Adam and Eve were running from him because of their mistake, their sin, their failure. And so notice... When their sin and their failure, it wasn't against themselves, it was against God. But God didn't run from them when they sinned. When they sinned and they failed, what did God do? God came looking for them. They hid themselves from God because of their sin, but God didn't try to hide himself from them. He didn't withdraw. He went looking for them. In their, did he know they sinned? Of course he did. That didn't cause him to run from them. It didn't cause him to go, well, 
you good for nothing. I loved you. I gave you the garden. I gave you everything in it. Just gave you one thing not to do. And you messed it up. I don't want anything to do with you. It's not what he did. The love of God in their failure. In their sin. Came looking for them. You understand that's why you and I are here today. He came looking for us. So, it's interesting. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. And something was broken. There was separation that took place. Man, mankind, was separated from God. It pangs me just to say that. It really does. Mankind was separated from God. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't what God designed. But it's what man chose when he gave in to the God of this world. And chose to violate the word of God. And sin became a separator. Between God and man. It wasn't man's idea. To get back in relationship with God. Because man's failure brought condemnation on him. Where man could only think of the wrong he'd done and only see the effects of his failure. But God, it was ever in his heart because John tells us God is, not was, not will be. God is always, ever present. God is love. If there's any attribute of God that never changes, and he, no attributes of him ever change, by the way. God is love. And so the love of God desired a relationship with mankind even though mankind had taken action that broke the relationship and separated them. God wanted to restore the relationship. And so he brought, and I'm going to go fast, otherwise we'll be here all day and none of us want to do that. God showed how much he wanted a relationship in the whole rest of the book of Genesis. First three chapters of Genesis, creation of the, all of the universe and mankind. The next three chapters, chapter 4 through 6, is how long it took man to screw it all up. Because by chapter 6, God said, I just want to destroy the whole earth. And he sent a flood and did that and destroyed the whole earth except for Noah and his family, eight people. But you start looking from chapter, I think, uh, 10, maybe 11, all the way through chapter 50. The next 40 chapters of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. The next 40 chapters are about one man and his family. You realize that? 
10 chapters to talk about the beginning of all the world and man messing it all up and God destroying and ready to start all over again with eight people. And 40 chapters for God to show one man and his family and make a promise and a covenant with that one man of how he will restore a relationship that was broken. How even though something happened in the garden that separated man from God, the next 40 chapters of Genesis were all about God setting and establishing a promise with a man and his family That Abraham, in you and in your seed, I'm going to bless you. Not only am I going to bless you and your seed, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your seed and your seed seed and your seed seed and all of your seed. How much am I going to bless them, Abraham? I'm going to bless them like the stars of the heavens and like the sand of the seashore. That's how much seed you're going to have, Abraham. All of it was God wanting relationship restored. That which had been separated in the garden. To bring it back to be God in relationship with man. Not God way up here on a throne in heaven staring down on people. God in an intimate, real, personal, one-on-one relationship with you and I. Where we know Him and He knows us. And He reveals Himself to us in a way we never thought possible. Because He knows us better than anyone knows us. And He loves us still. Sent Moses. Gave Moses the law. I'll use the law to bring them to me. They'll see the law and they'll see my love for them. Well, that didn't work. The law just became rules to them. They were like, well, I just follow the rules. And there was no relationship. It was just rules, no relationship. Rules, no relationship. Well, that's no fun. And so there was a lot of people that learned to just follow the rules. But they had no real relationship with God. You know, we still have that today. People who are really religious. Follow all the rules. Do everything right. Wear the right thing. Say the right stuff. Look the right way. Act the right way. But it's all just rules. There's no relationship with God. The law, yes, it had rules. But the rules weren't designed to be the primary thing. The relationship was. And the rules were supposed to be followed out of relationship, not the other way around. And Israel started trying to follow the rules to get a relationship. And that doesn't work. God said, have a relationship with me and then you'll just follow the rules by by default. Because you love me, you're going to start doing those things. I was talking about my wife and I earlier. You know, there's things in our life that I don't do. Not because she'd come and said, Joel, you better not do that. I love her too much to do those things. I don't even want to open the door to some things because I love her. And so love is the guide for me, not rules. Does that make sense? That's what God wants. Does God have rules? Absolutely. But we don't follow his rules so we have a relationship. He brings us into relationship 
And then as I come to know him, my life starts aligning with him. I don't want to live the way I used to live anymore. I want to live in a way that pleases my father. I want to live in a way that brings him joy. I want to live in a way that honors him. And, I, it's not, and all of a sudden I find out, why am I doing this? And then maybe I look back and I'm like, well, the word teaches I'm supposed to do that. I didn't even know that was in there before, but that makes sense. Now, sometimes he'll share something from the word and we're like, I didn't know that. But you know what? I want to please him. I want to do that. He wants a relationship. But the law didn't do it. Man got it out of order. And so I'm going to fast forward. The scripture said in Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah. Says that God sought. He was looking. That's what he did in the garden, right? He looked. Adam, where are you? Where'd you go? In Isaiah, it says the Lord God sought for a man who would stand in the gap. There was a gap. What gap? Separation. There was a gap between God and man. It, it would be as if, Brother Martin, could you come just stand right here? That's good, right there. Just stand looking this way. You can be God. I'll be man. There was this gap in between God and man that separated relationship. And man, I'm man, sorry. Man, in his effort, couldn't get to God. And God wanted a relationship with man. But there was this gap in between. This gap was called sin. Sin was there. Man had made a choice to violate the word of God. To go against the design of God. And so God could not violate his word without dealing with the gap. Which was sin. And so the prophet Isaiah said that God was looking. And he was looking for a man that would stand in the gap. He wanted a man. Brother Zario, come here. You be the man in the gap. Sit on the front row. You're going to get pulled. I don't know Jose well enough yet or I'd have grabbed him. He sought for a man to stand in the gap. And what was that man to do? He was to bridge. He was to be a bridge between God and man. Someone that could take care of the gap. He said, I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But here's what God said through Isaiah. I found none. I couldn't find a man to stand in the gap. I'm so glad it didn't end there. And so this is what the Lord said. It said, so the Lord's arm, you understand the Lord God doesn't have an arm. Right? God is a spirit. He uses the term arm because an arm is a thing of strength. It represents the strength of God. And so Isaiah said, through the, the Lord said through Isaiah, so the Lord's arm brought salvation to him. In other words... The Lord said, since I can't find someone to stand in the gap, 
God said, I'll become the man that will stand in the gap. And I'll bridge the gap that man created by sin. God said, I'll become a man. And I'll be the bridge between myself and man. By being all God and all man. And God, you can be seated. God came and robed himself in flesh, the Bible says, in John chapter 1. God came. Took on the form of a servant. The scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 3. Made himself of no reputation. Philippians chapter 3. Humbled himself. Who did this? God did this. And became obedient to death. You got the picture? Even the death of the. God became the mediator in the man Christ Jesus. I and you in ourselves are not capable of getting back to God. And so God said, I'll come to them. They can't get to me. On their own. And so I'll become as one of them. So they can get to me. And the price that's supposed to be paid to cover this gap of sin. I'll pay the price. And so he said. He who knew no sin. Became sin for us. That we would be made the righteousness of God in Him. In plain English rather than King James English. This is what he said. God became a man. That man, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, knew no sin. He was the perfect lamb. The spotless lamb. And so he said, I'll take your sin. Let's make a trade. I'll take your wrong. I'll take your mistakes. I'll take your failures. I'll take your addictions. I'll take your shame. I'll take your guilt. I'll take your failure. I'll take your abuses. I'll take all of the things you've done that you shouldn't have done where you violated my word. I'll take all those things. I'll take it all on myself. I'll take your sin. Why? Love. Love. How do I know it was love? One of the most famous scriptures in all of the book. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. 
That wasn't some second person in the Godhead. That was God wrapped in the flesh. How do we know that? Because we can read in Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 4, God gave himself. Not only did he take our sin, he said, I want you to be in right relationship with me. So I'm going to give you, we'll trade, your sin, my righteousness. Because I can't get in right standing with God on my own. But when he gives me his righteousness, I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything to produce it. I didn't do anything to prove I was worthy. It was the love of God for you and me that took my sin and gave me his righteousness. If I'm willing to make the exchange. Hebrews says in three different places. First Timothy says in one place. There is one mediator. You know what a mediator is? If you ever have people that are separated, a mediator is someone that comes along and tries to bring them back together. Right? So, if, if, back up here, gentlemen. Picture's worth a thousand words. God, man, Mediator. I can't get to God. God wants to get with me. But God the Spirit has to find a way. The infinite God has to find a way to interact with the finite human being. And so he says, I have a mediator. A go-between that will... Stretch those hands back out again. Bring us together. I will be the mediator between God and man. The scripture says there's one mediator. The man, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the mediator. It's why Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man can come to the Father Except by me. He's the way. You can't get to him any other way. He's the mediator. Pray with me. We're almost done here today. Jesus. You are. The mediator. You are our go-between. You have made a way that we could come back into right relationship. You have made a way that we could come back into right relationship. Not a work of us, but what you've done, Father. You have made a way that we could come back into right relationship. And I thank you today. I thank you today. I thank you today. 
Hebrews 9.15 says, probably should go to verse 14. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, that's God, through God, offered himself without spot to God, what is it going to do? It's going to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, to bring you back into right relationship so you can serve Him. What does this? The blood of Christ does this. The mediator, the blood of the mediator brings us back into a place where we can be in fellowship with God. Verse 15. And for this cause, this is the reason, this is the cause. You and I are the cause. For this cause, he is the mediator or the go-between of the New Testament, the New Covenant. That by means of death, his death, for the redemption of the transgressions, that's our transgressions, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. This is what he wants for you and I. This is the design of God. Now, we'll finish here. Luke chapter 19, I think verse number 10. Try that. It's a story of Zacchaeus. We won't read through the whole story for sake of time. But we find a statement by the Lord here. That's the one. Jesus declares, he went to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus was a thief. Zacchaeus, people didn't like him. But Jesus went to his house, spent time with him, and people mumbled, I'm going to say mumbled. People mumbled and talked and murmured about, I can't believe Jesus went to his house. Does he know who he is? He knew who he was. He knows who I am and he knows who you are. That doesn't mean he avoids you. That's what we do in our humanity. But the love of God says, I know who they are. They need me. I'm going to go to their house. And he went to Zacchaeus' house. Why did he go to his house? I'll tell you why he went to his house. Because there it was private. There he could deal with Zacchaeus the way he needed to deal with Zacchaeus and not humiliate him. People were carrying on about it. I can't believe he went to his house. And the Lord Jesus responds, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save. Seek and save. Notice in the garden he went seeking for Adam. In Isaiah, the Lord was seeking for someone. Jesus said, the Son of Man, that was him, has come to seek. But I'm not just seeking this time. I'm going to seek and I'm going to save that which was lost. Notice, he did not say, see this, I'm come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say, I've come to seek and to save those. He said that. What is that that was lost? 
He wanted to seek and to save that. Not them, not those, that. What is that that was lost? I'll tell you what that is. The relationship was lost. He came to seek and to save the relationship between God and man. Between you and him. This is the design of God. So stand with me today if you would. We read in Hebrews of how that this process is aided, fulfilled by this restoration of relationship, this covering of sin, this gap is created by sin, how this covering of sin is dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of a spotless lamb. Amen. So how, if I search the scripture, we won't walk through this today. It's another Bible study for another time. If I search the scripture, how do I apply the blood of Jesus to my life? How do I get the blood that was shed at Calvary and apply it to my life so that that blood does wash me, that blood of the Lamb does cover me, and I am made clean? Well, the Word teaches and instructs me. I know that the blood of Jesus is applied to my life through the waters of baptism. And so when I'm buried in the water, the Scripture says in Colossians, we are buried with Him. Who's Him? Jesus Christ. We are buried with Him through baptism. Why are we buried with Him? So that we also, with Him, should walk in newness of life. I'm free. When I was buried with Him in baptism, I had the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But He loved me. And I saw the reality of his word and the price he was willing to pay. And so my heart said, yes, I want that. I want the blood of Jesus on my life. I see my sin. I see the result of my failure. I want to be washed and made clean. And so I was buried with him. But I didn't stay buried. I told Jose Luis this. I said, I won't hold you under. I, I didn't stay buried. I came up out of the water. But I didn't come up the way I went down. I went down covered in sin. The marks of sin and bondage on my life. The things I could not fix myself. I couldn't take away no matter how hard I tried. But when I went down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he's the one mediator between God and man. When I went down his blood and his name was applied to my life. And the bonds of sin were broken. And Amanda I was set free. Free. And those things that had hold on me, they couldn't hold me anymore. I was free. This is the work of the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. I can't do this. You can't do this. Man can't produce this. But the blood of Jesus Christ, the scripture says, cleanseth us from all 
unrighteousness. I don't care what you did last night, last week, last month, last year, last decade. Once you've had the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life, if you'll have a broken and contrite heart, a repentant spirit, acknowledging God, I've sinned and against you only have I sinned. I come to you in broken humility, praying, take that blood that was applied to my life in the waters of baptism one more time. Let it wash over me. We're not ta- you don't get baptized again and again and again, you understand? Ephesians 4 and 5 is very clear. There's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. There's one God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. Once I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, my sins are remitted. And should I stumble and fall and sin again, I don't go get baptized again. I just find an altar of repentance before God. And the blood is as fresh and Amen. This is the design of God. So you and I could have a relationship. It's not so we could become religious. Not so we could check a calendar on Sunday and Wednesday night and say, yep, I did my duty. I went to church. Let me go now. It's so that we could have a personal, daily, lasting relationship with God and God could work in our life and through our life every day that we live and so then what happens you and I walk through our day and the spirit of God will work through our life to touch somebody else's life and the love of God is manifested through us now that's why when we're filled and baptized with the spirit the Holy Ghost comes and dwells in us We are called the body of Christ. When we baptize, we baptize in the name of Jesus. We take on the name. And then when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, now the indwelling Spirit of God is in us, and we are now born into the body of Christ. That's why it's called born again. Amen? Praise God. Would you reach to him with me right now? I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost here and the Spirit of God here. Would you talk with him right where you are? Jesus, I pray the ministry and the manifestation of your Spirit that is ever present here today. You know the frame of each one. You know the heart. You understand the design and the desire of each vessel I pray by your word and by your spirit today, the quickening word of God, the affirming spirit of God, and the drawing of the love of God upon the heart, the mind, the soul. In the name of Jesus, we can do nothing without you. But with you today, all things are possible. We thank you for your sacrifice. 
We thank you for the price you've paid. We thank you today for what you've done and what you're doing. We thank you, Father, for the working of your Spirit in our lives, for the operating of the Word of God. We lift up your name this morning, Father, and we praise you. I pray revelation and understanding given by your Spirit and by your Word. I pray the blindness of this world removed and the revelation of the Word and Spirit of God in every hungry heart today. Jesus, we receive of you. We receive of your gift. We receive of your sacrifice. We receive of the work of the Calvary in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He desires to restore that which was separated. That there be no separation. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's not a person in this room that this doesn't apply to today. Every single one of us in this room, he wants a personal relationship with you. And just as my relationship with my wife has grown over 28 years, And oh, by the way, I expect our relationship to keep growing. What would you think if I told you this morning? You know, I've been married 28 years almost. I'm content with the relationship. I don't expect it to grow anymore. I'm good with where it's at. You think, well, that's foolish. I expect that our relationship will grow for the rest of my lifetime. How much more? How much more does the living God desire a relationship with you that grows over your entire lifetime? Where you don't just settle for a little bit of understanding and a little bit of knowledge and I'm good now but where the living God lives in you and he continues to reveal himself and your relationship with him grows more and more and more every day that you live this is the desire of God for you he wants you to know him not in the letter not in the letter only but in the word and in the spirit. He wants you to know him. Praise God. Would you thank him with me today? Lord, we worship you and we praise you. We exalt and bless your name today. We magnify you who is holy. We exalt you who is righteous. And we thank you for your love and the drawing of your spirit upon our hearts today. We receive it. We receive it. I pray let your word and spirit be written on the fleshly tables of our hearts this morning. Let us not escape it but cling to it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to take a minute. We're going to baptize some people in Jesus' name this morning. I'm excited about that. Amen. And so we're going to give them a few minutes to get ready. Would you greet somebody this morning, Turning, don't, don't take off, don't disappear, but greet someone.
take a moment and visit. We'll ask those that are going to be baptized today to go ahead and go change, get ready, and we'll do that. In Jesus' name.